You know, uh, as we sang this morning, that old example came up to me in the sense that if I went down to Bloberg or to Malkbos and I stood looking at Table Mountain, everybody knows the postcard view of it, eh? You, you know what it looks like. If I stood there and put my hand up, I can literally cover the mountain with my hand. Okay? I can put my hand up and I can cover the mountain with my hand. But if I go up to the mountain and I get to the cableway and I put my hand up, my hand doesn't even cover a fraction of what the mountain is. And often we forget that we stand distant sometime to the Lord or the Lord seems to be distant to us and it seems that our problems are huge and our situations are great and they're greater than we can overcome. But if we get the closer we get to Him, the more we have of Him, the more we indulge in what God's name is and who He is, the smaller our problems become. In fact, they become minute. They become non-existent because of the greatness of who our God is. And so I want to encourage you this morning that when everything seems to be going wrong and everything seems to be so little, there's one piece of medicine, there's one piece of cure that you can put to it. The more you get into the Word, the more you get into God, the greater He becomes. Somebody sent me a post and said, um, they said, you know that if not a lot of Christians and a lot of people read their Bible in a study of statistics, they read their Bible once a week. They read their Bible once a week, and that is normally the bit of Bible that they get is when they come to church on a Sunday and they read their Bible. Then the statistic goes on to say there are some other people that might read their Bible the Sunday when they come to church and maybe one other day during the week. That's two times. There are another group of people that like three times. They said, but the people that go beyond, they say they don't have any, they don't understand why, they don't know what it is, but the number four, when they get to the fourth time in a week, when they start reading it, the, the, the graphic suddenly takes an incline and shoots right off the charts, and those people experience something that is absolutely supernatural. When they go beyond that four times a week level, all of a sudden the Word starts to produce a result in their life, and it's like, it takes off, and it becomes a supernatural event because the Word is supernatural. I was listening to somebody who was preaching about the gospel, and he said, um, you know, the, the Word has got hidden meanings, and there are hidden messages within the Word. And he was talking about the fantasticness of the Word of God. And then he went into the genealogy somewhere in Genesis, and they were talking about Adam, and then Adam's son Seth, and then they went down like five or six names. And basically there was a message within those five or six names. Their numerical value and their meaning of their name was the coming of the Son to take away our, uh, our sin and to become an answer to us. And the gospel literally in first five names or six names that this guy mentioned, the gospel was there. But he said something. And I thought to myself, that's kind of ironic. He said, the Jews, even to this day, they still expect a Messiah. And they say that when he comes, he will bring the answer to much stuff. But he has come. 
I said, when he comes, he will bring the answer, the explanation of the entirety of the word and the questions in the word, everything, but it all points to him. Hello, listen to me. Jesus comes, he, he literally comes to this earth and he's standing in amongst the people and he said, you read the scriptures as if, I think it's in John 5, he said, as if by them you think you will be able to attain to eternal life. He said, but you do not know and do not realize that they speak of me. Jesus is the very word. He's the very essence of the word. And if you look into the word, looking for him and looking to him, the word opens up like a flower. It becomes something that you actually start to understand. In fact, there's an interpretation that comes out of that. And this morning, I want to stop for a while and look at something. And it might be that you think when I'm preaching this morning's message and it starts off and you're listening to me say, I've heard this message. And, 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 and Dave, you guys have preached about the cross so often. But I want you to understand something this morning. It's not the natural man and his understanding and carnal knowledge that will bring you to the understanding of the mystery of Christ. Paul preaches, I wish I could take all the scriptures and show you the amount of times that Paul refers to, not only Paul, Peter as well, that they refer to the mystery that is in Christ. You know what I've always found strange, and I want to touch on that this morning in the opening part of this message. I've always found strange that people are looking for something more other than church and the Bible and they look for more. They, they, they get involved in all kinds of extra other things in Christianity. And of themselves and in themselves, the extra things are not bad. But when you're looking at them as an add-on to your salvation, they create a roadblock for you. Okay? It's not... Jesus plus. It's Jesus only. It's not the cross plus something. It's the cross only. Salvation only comes one way. It comes by the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not, it's not the cross plus. It's not Jesus plus. <laughs> okay. You're quiet this morning, but let's go for it. 1 Corinthians 1, and I'm going to start, and I'm going to read this morning. And as I read, I'm going to try and be very quick and explain some stuff to you. I don't have much time, so bear with me this morning. 1 Corinthians 1, reading from the 11th verse, he says, For it has been declared unto me, uh, unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are in the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Now this I say, that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, and I of Apollos, and I of Cephas, and I of Christ. Okay, so he asks a question. Guys, please be with me this morning in the Word. Be with me with the intent to say, I need to see something very important this morning within the Word. Is Christ divided. 
Now, you're going to find I'm, I'm, I'm kind of earnest this morning, and I'm kind of urgent this morning. And if you, if you think I'm unnecessary, so I would argue with you and say, never in the history of the world was it more necessary to be urgent this morning. Here is a thing in the Bible, as old as the Bible itself, that says man is inclined to look at men. It's not about Sean, although he's the leader of this church. It's not about Dave. It's not about Bill Johnson. It's not about Corbis von Rendberg. It's not about A.A. Allen. It's not about... Um, uh, um, uh, uh, any one of the heroes of faith, it's not about them, it's about Jesus. The minute you start looking at men, you are looking at beings with clay feet, and they can drop you, they can fail you, they are all humans, and we all have frailties. And so here they are. Can, can, I, can I make it really plain in what I'm trying to say? It's not about Bill Gates. And it's not about Trump. Guys, the entire world is focused on an American election about men. They will come and go as surely as I stand here and God made little apples. The presidents will come and go of the greatest nation in the world. They will come and go because they are from dust and they will return to dust. You are not serving a country. You are not serving a, a state. You are not serving the U.S. of a... It's not about Biden and it's not about Trump. You are serving the kingdom of God. You are here to declare a kingdom. They can change the rules, bend the rules, break the rules. You are not governed by a rule in a law book. You are governed by the word of God in your heart. God is still on the throne, and that's why I'm so grateful for the songs that were sung this morning. The song said, Hosanna, his name is higher. I have peace with my soul. Why? Because he's on the throne. He's my Savior. He's the one I look to. Sorry if I've got to get really shouty this morning to break through, but we need to understand something. The social media, we need to kick in its pants. It's not your gospel. It's not your Bible. No matter which side of the coin you look at this morning, that is not what governs your life. This Bible, this very Word of God, is what you rule and reign by. It's that will be there forever. It's an eternal Word. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? Interesting. I wish I could preach on every one of those statements. I thank God that I baptized none of you but Crispus and Gaius. Lest any should say that I baptized in my own name. Do you see what Paul's getting at? 
He's saying, some of you have lifted me to the position where you, you actually want to say, like, I baptized you and you were baptized into me. No, no, no. When you were baptized, by the way, you were baptized into Christ. You weren't baptized into Trump. You weren't baptized into Biden. You weren't baptized into Ramaphosa. You weren't baptized into uh, Kabila. You were baptized into Christ. And I baptized also the household of Stephanas. Besides, I know not whether I baptized any other. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Christ sent me to preach the gospel. Christ saved you to preach the gospel. Not with the wisdom. Ha, 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 ha. Not with the wisdom of words. Say wisdom of words. Lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. Say cross of Christ. Say there's two things here, the wisdom of words and the cross of Christ. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. Somebody preach with me this morning. Say power. Say it. Say power. Say power of God. Shout it like you mean it. Say, power of God. Sometimes we need to shout at the devil. Say, I don't believe in your lies, but I believe in the power of God. I'm saved by the power of God. I'm healed by the Come on, people. Let's get excited this morning. And let's understand the gospel is an excitement. It's a powerful thing to know to that you are born again and that you're a child of God. If one thing that corona and lockdown and shut down and shut away and restart and whatever you want to call it has done, it's given us a wake-up call to understand that we've been maybe sleeping a little bit, but it's time for the church to arise. It's time for the church to push back and say, I believe in the supernatural. I believe in the power of God. Sorry, I'm only getting to you guys two weeks later. I wish I could have preached this on the day that I got this message. Went a little bit way back, just in the beginning of the election. I was stomping. This morning I'm laid back. <laughs> mm. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish food. You know, it says that the stone that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. It's a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. He's referring to the cross. When you build a house, you build it on a foundation, and there's sometimes like a corner in the house or a, or a part of the building that is the whole steadfastness of the building itself. The gospel, your salvation, is based on what Jesus did on the cross. So it cannot be the cross plus. <laughs> as good as mind renewal is, in the renewing of the mind, it's not the renewing of the mind that says you, it's the cross. It's not genealogies that saves you, it's the cross. It's not the Jewish words that save you, it's the but people have got into stuff, and I'm going to get into a word just now, that people are looking for stuff. They're looking for some 
Huli wali, ole boli, bakanali, they want mysticism, but they're looking for the mysticism in the wrong place. Yes, we are mystic. In fact, there's too little mysticism in the church. One of the greatest mysticisms in the church is kiraboseka, navrendeya mogoda, istavanda gerabamburia, ribochatenezende, talking in tongues. That's why a whole lot of people push tongues out the way and say, no, that's gibberish. Those people are mumbling and jumbling. But it's a very, that very mysticism and the mysticness of the power of the Spirit in your life that does stuff. Now people want to add all kinds of other wally-wallies. Instead of staying with the mysticism of the mystery of Christ. All the old things have passed away. Everything else has become. How does, you know that they say a leopard cannot change its spots. They say, the Bible talks about planting a thorn tree and a fir tree coming up. That's the very thing about being born again. You're one person, but when you get born again, you become a new creature. That's a mystery. How is it possible that... I was thinking about this last night. I'm a basson. And in the new South Africa, it doesn't get asked all that often, but in the old South Africa, you would go, especially when I met my wife, like way back in 1957. I was speaking to Taste before the time. He said, if you were born before 57, you're B.C., means before computers. But us older people, when you went to meet your wife and you spoke English, but you have an Afrikaans fun, then said the old man, who's the tata basson in the Afrikaans? Where come you from Daniel English basson? Very easy. My dad married an English woman. We went to an English school. And somewhere along the line, Afrikaans-speaking people became English. Not such a great mystery. Hello? But if I can marry an English woman or an Afrikaans woman and change from an... It, it was funny. My dad was Afrikaans but went to an English school. And so we became English persons. I met an Afrikaans woman and married her, and so we became Afrikaans-speaking Bassans again. <laughs> it's kind of crazy, isn't it? But if it's not such a mystery and it's not so difficult for an English-speaking person to become an Afrikaans-speaking person and then change back and then become a bilingual one, because I came, became saved and I was in Afrikaans church, preached Afrikaans for 15 years and then ended up going into an English church, preaching on English television, becoming an Englishman. It's not so difficult for that mystery to be explained. How much more mystery is it that a person gets born again and all the old things pass away? He was an alcoholic and he's an alcoholic no more. He was a wife beater, he's a wife beater no more. He was a drug addicted, he's a drug addicted no more. How is it that that's not such a mystery, but is a great mystery because you become a new creature in Christ. But everything because he died on the cross. 
You want mysticism? It's right here. It's in the Bible. We need to become mystics again. So when we walk around, people look at us and say, Ooh, they're those people. Mufasa. <laughs> say it again. Mufasa. <laughs> say it again. <laughs> For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and I will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the dispute of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that which is in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of the preaching to save them that believe. The Jews require a sign, the Greeks seek a wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block and unto the Greeks a foolishness, but unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. Chapter 2, verse 1, just to save time. And I, brethren, when I came unto you, became not with excellency of speech, nor the wisdom declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Can I read that in the Amplified? For I resolved to know nothing, to be acquainted with nothing, to make a display of the knowledge of nothing, to be conscious of nothing among you except Jesus Christ the Messiah and Him crucified. The world is filled right now with doctrines that are Christ plus. Christ plus deliverance. Christ plus knowledge. Christ plus. And then there's the other side, which is just Christ and Him crucified. If you take worldly wisdom and worldly knowledge and you want to go back to the origin of it, all you have to do is go as far as you get, all the way back to the knowledge of the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's what we're dealing with right now. There's a natural knowledge. There's a carnal knowledge. There's a humanistic knowledge. That is all the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then you have the tree of life. That is Jesus. That is spirit. That is the cross. The world is trying to get us into humanistic doctrine of knowledge. And the church needs to go back to the origin of power. The one is spiritual, the one is called. There's just two worlds, guys. Light versus darkness. Carnality versus spirit. Just the two. It's just, it's just one or the other. It's not anything else. But it gets all fuzzy in between. And we get all gray areas. But it should come down to one thing and one thing only in the end. It's the spiritual knowledge of what Christ did for you and me on the cross. Now, I've run out of time. But that was like the intro. And in the first service, I've got to cut everything short. Jesus is walking on the earth 
And he goes to the house of the Pharisees. He goes to Matthew, the tax collector's house. And the Pharisees are immediately offended. They say, Jesus is having lunch with sinners. Mm -hmm. What is this Jesus going and he's, he's drinking wine and he's eating food and he's, he's frequenting a sinner's house? He said to them, the healthy have no need of a doctor. My words, my translation. But the sick. He said, go and learn what it means. He said, I desire mercy more than I desire sacrifice. Everybody shout mercy this morning. We're looking for something to come in the earth. The thing that we're looking for is called revival. But we don't want a wave. We don't want a visitation. We want a habitation of the godly instance that changes everything right side up. We're looking for a visitation, a habitation of God when God drives up in a, in, in, in a, in a, re, in a revival. We've heard the thing about transformation. We've heard this stuff. We've seen few examples in the earth, but we're looking for a constancy that will come and not go again. We're looking for the type of thing that happened in Wales and happened in Brazil and happened in places where the Spirit of God became so prevalent that all the places that were quote-unquote sinful Closed. Transformation was so great in some of those revivals, there were no need for police stations or jails or overnight lockups because the people were no longer getting drunk and fighting and beating on their wives and doing all ridiculous stuff that they had to be locked up for the night. So the jails emptied out, and in fact, some of them, to all of them, in that specific city closed. In the Welsh revival, the donkeys had to be replaced with new ones because the old donkeys could not relate to the instruction of the miners because they were cursed. They swore at the donkey, and the donkey pulled the load because he was being sworn at. The people so changed that their language changed so they didn't swear at the donkey so the poor donkey didn't know how to do his work underground and pull the cart anymore because he wasn't being sworn at. All the things, today Biscope is not sin because we've got it on our phones, we've got it all, but in those days it was like, you know, movies is like sin. Dance halls are sin, drink is sin. So, all of that stuff closed down because everybody was in church. Because everybody had been saved, because everybody was now of renewed mind, and everybody were new creatures. Cancer disappeared. Sickness disappeared. Divorce disappeared. 
hurt disappeared. All of that stuff disappeared. We're talking about the, the entirety of so, social existence changing so much that it no longer appears like it appears right now. You know, we become desensitized in church. Because you're a church person, you're a kerkmens, you're a kerkmens, but you work as you're a kerkmens, you're a kerkmens, we're all That you don't have any understanding what it's like to relate to people, but not kerkmens is. You get kind of all out of your depth when you land up amongst worldly people and they going to Kira. You don't even know that world exists, some of you, because you, you desensitize, you, you've come out of it, you're so immune to it, that when it does hit you, you go, oh, my means look at what can here. But there's a world out there that really needs God. And the only thing that's going to get them saved is the mystery of the cross. I'm going to close with a scripture which I was supposed to preach on this morning. But maybe you'll get something as I close with it. The subject is by a by grote. I hope you, I, I'm just going to say it again for effect. I hope you get this. It's not in the White House that the earth is ruled. It's ruled by the children of God on their knees in their prayer closet. Don't let anybody... Do you know how badly the church needs God? Can I tell you how badly the church needs to go back to the basics? When 50 prominent prophets prophesy that Trump will stay in the White House, I will revise my message tomorrow if they go to court and they bring him out and he is the winner. Then I'll say to you, sorry, those prophets were correct. But those prophets are saying nothing right now with the exception of the guy from Bethel. When they said to him, we're upset with you that you said that you made a mistake. He said, humbleness has to start somewhere. Humility has to start somewhere and it's better that it starts in the church. Chris Wallaton apologized for his prophecy. He said, I made a mistake. Guys, we choose sides and we whoop, whoop, and we root, root, and we say, my side will win. The Springboks are going to beat the pants off the All Blacks because God said so. Come on. You, you're looking at me kind of funny, but you need to get this, church. You need to get this. God is large and in charge. Do you stand for Biden? Not at all. Do you stand for what he stands for? No way, Jose. But it's not in who the White House that's going to stop evil. It's who God is on the throne in heaven, where you are, by the way, seated in heavenly places. It's your words that carry power. Church needs a shocking wake up. And I put myself right in the front of the queue. Hebrews 10. For the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with those sacrifices, say sacrifices, 
which they offered year by year continually, make the comers there too perfect. For then would they have ceased to be offered, because that the worshippers once purged should have no more conscience of sins. If I bring a lamb to an altar this morning, and I say, this is for my sins, and I offer the lamb, if what the lamb has done, it means purge my conscience and cleanse me from sin, I would not have to go back and offer another one and another one and another one year after year offering lambs to try and purge my conscience and cleanse me. He said, if those offerings had worked, it would be not necessary to offer another. But in those sacrifices, there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. For it is not possible, say not possible, that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he comes into the world, verse 5, he says, Sacrifice and offerings thou would not, but a body hast thou prepared for me. Wherefore, when he comes into the world, he says, in burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, thou hast no pleasure. Say, no pleasure. Then said I, lo, I come in the volume of the book, it is written of me, to do thy will, O God. Above when he said, sacrifice and offerings and burnt offerings and offerings for sin, thou wilt not, neither had thou pleasure therein which are offered by the law. Then said, lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first to establish the second. For by which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. What are you trying to say, Dave? Justice and mercy, judgment and mercy meet on the cross. He has desired mercy, not judgment. And so every offering through all of history we, we get kind of crazy when we hear people suffer, uh, uh, offering a chicken at, 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 a, at, at some ritual in, in some different tradition. We get kind of crazy when they bleed out an ox for a president and, and we hear of these different sacrifices. But you know what? Christianity was not much, not much different. They offered animals all the time. We talk about offerings of sacrifices. God said, I never desired that from you at all. He said, I desired one offering by which my mercy would be shown forth forever. That one offering is me. I've come, and instead of judgment on your sin, I have come to bring you mercy by one offering. The offering of Jesus Christ. You talk about mysticism. You talk about power. You talk about stuff. And then we look at it and we don't accept it because it doesn't seem wise. It seems kind of foolish. That's exactly what God's saying in 1 Corinthians 1, 1 Corinthians 2. He said, you think my work is foolish, but it's the very power of God. It's very simplistic. It's very, very plain and simple. I have come to be the offering, the perfect offering, the once-of-for-all offering that no other offering will ever else be ever needed. 
that by it I decided to have mercy. Though you were guilty and you should have suffered punishment, I have come to die in your place, that you forever be saved. That's the wisdom of God. That's the power of God. That's the mystery of Christ. And that's what God has desired for His church, that we go back to that once and for all offering, and that by that blood and by that offering, we reach out to souls, Chinese souls, Japanese souls, Hindu souls, Buddhist souls, unsaved souls, that we become the power of God to them because there's only one way which they buy and how they might be saved. That's by the sufferings of the cross and the glory that should follow. Let us preach the gospel as simplistic as it sounds. My friend went to do a funeral yesterday of a young man that died under questionable circumstances. And he spoke to them about choices. And I know to the people who were listening to him, it seemed like a stupid message. And to the world, sometimes what we preach when we preach the cross, being born again, sounds so infodach. Sounds so commonplace. It's the power of God. And when people hear that message, they get cut to the heart. And they come looking for you after you've preached. And they say, Preacher man, I need to speak to you because my life is not in order. And I need to put it in order. The simplistic message of the cross. It is finished. It is done. Do you want mercy? There's room at the cross for you. Do you want a new life? You'll find it at the foot of the cross. Do you want healing? You'll find it where Jesus is. Amen? It's not Jesus plus. It's Jesus only. The cross only. Let's get away from the humanistic gospel that's being preached right now in the world and let's show them the true power. If you go into 1 Corinthians 2, you'll see in 1 Corinthians 3, it gets to the end of it. He says, it's not about Paul and Apollos, but you have everything because you are in Christ. In God, everything is yours. All is yours. The most powerful thing you can do is to show them Jesus. Hope you got it this morning. Hope you hear it this morning. Got to go back to preach the gospel. The good news. Got to get there where God did it all and finished it on the cross.
Why don't you stand with me this morning? Father, we thank you this morning for your goodness. We thank you for your eternal love. We thank you for times of refreshing, Lord, that will come by the Spirit when we seek to do your will, O Lord, to preach that which you destined us to do and which you came to bring. The ultimate thing is that Jesus came to this earth to die for a sinner such as me. And because of that very price, I am born again, I'm free, I'm healed, I'm a new creation. Lord, may we revisit the power of the true gospel. And we may show a world that we are not afraid of viruses and we are not afraid of politics and we are not afraid of persecution. But I will never stop preaching the goodness of God in Jesus Christ, the ultimate offering. Amen. I'm going to say one last thing. and Now I'm way over my time. Do you know that for the first 200 years after Christ, the miracles so increased in those first 200 years of the church that we see shadows healing becoming actually commonplace. Being transported physically from one place to another becomes part of the church. The church is so endured with power in those first 200 years. Do you know why? Do you know why their shadows healed people and they, they were so powerfully endured with? Because they preached the cross. And then they started taking the word out from the midst of the people. And they started telling the people, Jesus is okay, but you need something more. Can I, can I show it to you? Galatians 3 verse 1. Oh, you wicked, foolish, idiotic, unreflecting Galatians, who has bewitched you? He calls it witchery. You started in the spirit. You are now ending in the faith. Did you receive this by the Spirit or by the works of the flesh? And the church disappears into dark ages, and we've been trying to recover ever since. Then baptism returned, then baptism in the Spirit returned, then walking by faith returned. And so we've climbed stairs ever since the dark ages, being renewed, being renewed, being renewed. Right now, we're standing on a dividing line. The world wants to go back to the dark ages. The world wants to go back to paganism. The world wants to go back to that because they're looking for mysticism and they say the Bible and church is not enough for me. But right in the middle of it, right in the midst of it, at the crossroads right now, there's a church that said, no, 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 no. Not so fast, buddy. We're about to show you what true power looks like. We're about to heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, and preach the good news of the kingdom right now. And so, I've got some good, bad news for you. 
Get ready for persecution. Because the church people are about to be persecuted because of the wonders that they do and the good news that they bring. But that love is not going to back down for them and that love is going to preach it and you are going to see true revival break out. Like when Paul was persecuting the church and they got spread all over the world and then they went out and preached Christ. Amen. God bless you. Hallelujah.